Hi, friend. You are listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, a podcast created especially for someone who's not sure about relationship with Jesus Christ. My name is Janelle Wood, and while I have a background in counseling and ministry with women, the truth is I've been through my own seasons of questioning my faith. So if you've ever struggled with not being sure where you belong, or you felt like you were faking faith, or maybe a friend just shared this episode with you and you are feeling a little wounded or skeptical of all things God-related right now, welcome. This podcast is just for you. Finding Something Real is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. My passion is Jesus Christ, and for me now, After having been through some real ups and downs on my own faith journey, I believe Christ is the hope and the answer to this world more than ever. But don't take my word for it. Listen to my friends as they share their own grace-filled journeys with you. My prayer is that if you haven't already, you'll find something real too. Welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast. This is your host, Janelle Wood. And friend, following Jesus is a journey. And I would say that for those who've given their lives to Christ, um, most would say it's not a linear journey. It's a whole lot of ups and downs. And sometimes we need a whole lot of grace. I shouldn't even say sometimes, always we need a lot of grace and the ability to laugh along the way. I'm excited for today's conversation because we're going to be talking about that with today's special guest and our returning co-host. Before we get into that conversation, I want to take a moment and thank one of our patrons, Cindy Knight. Cindy, thank you for your encouragement and support of this program. And friend, if you are a regular listener of the Finding Something Real podcast, would you consider joining Cindy and others by becoming part of our Patreon community? For your support of $5 a month, you'll get access to our private Facebook community, a one-time pack of custom stickers with a thank you note from me, and every month a special bonus episode where my monthly co-host and I have a casual but important conversation about what impact, if any, this podcasting journey has had for her. We are so thankful for each of you who support this program with your prayers, encouragement, reviews, and support, and you can find out more specifically about Patreon by visiting FindingSomethingReal.com. Each month, I've been featuring a different co-host and her journey on here. And if you haven't already listened to my May co-host share her personal story and questions she has about Christianity, I encourage you to please go back and take a listen to Becca's story because she's back again today. Becca Schultz, hello again. Hello again. (laughs) Now, I asked you last week when we were talking with Michelle about Crazy Love, and if you had started reading that yet, and I know you've got like this little bit of time before going on to camp. Have you started reading the Gospels, though? I did start reading the Gospels. Okay. Anything new like stand out to you this time and reading it this time around? No, I like (laughs) have been reading them, but like my life is just so busy with packing and unpacking that like, I'm just reading them really fast. I'm hoping to like, actually like digest them a little bit more over the summer when I'm like, have that specific time to do that. But right now I've just been like skimming. Yeah. That's so honest. I know my husband and I, we read a a chapter in the old Testament, a chapter in the, the new Testament almost every day. And even just reading one chapter is almost too much. I feel like it's just a ton if I had my way, it probably would take me 10 years to get through the entire Bible because I would just go like, 
a couple verses here and there. Um, well, anyway, I'm glad you're back, Becca. And we're so excited, the two of us, to welcome our special guest today. There's a lot I could say about this returning guest. He's one of my favorites, for sure. He's a devoted father and husband, a dog owner, a writer, and a pastor. He's also a very talented comedian. Please welcome back to the Finding Something Real podcast, my friend, Jason Earls. Jason, welcome. Oh, yeah. Hey, uh, Becca, do you have any stickers from uh, the Finding Something Real podcast? <laughs> I do not have any stickers in the Finding I don't either. I don't, that's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Are either of you I patrons? I want to know. Are either of you patrons? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yo, she got all this merch, and I don't have any of the merch. What's up with that? <laughs> Janelle, do you have any Jason Rose comedy merch? I do. Awesome. Wow. And I don't have any. Cool. Yeah. I know. I know what's up with that. <laughs> it, well, I, I did launch Patreon in part because you gave me a hard time about it last time you were here. Absolutely. So so I, I just want to say, who, what was the what was the name of the person who you shouted out? Your Patreon, a person that oh, you- Oh, you... that was Cindy. Cindy. Thank you so much, Cindy, for supporting my sister, Janelle and uh this podcast keeping it going she got a new mic she's looking fancy i don't know if y'all able to see this but you can tell the patreon families have you know upped her game so y'all keep supporting this it's the podcast. same mic jason no no but different mic stand you didn't have that mic stand i had it before i just didn't know how to use it before oh so she took lessons That's, patreon supports lessons that's good <laughs> Yeah. What's up, Becca? I'm sorry. I'm taking over. I'm sorry. I'm just excited to be here. I'm excited. Jason, we want to hear a little bit more about you before we jump into this conversation. Tell us, tell people how they can find you because I I didn't share all the great things about you. You've done a lot yeah, with your you comedy. Missed out a few, few tell you us a little, tell people a little bit more. The super amazing part. Yeah, this is my time to be uh, self indulgent. No, That's to, right. To crucify the false humility that we oftentimes have and it's a shame to talk about ourselves. Uh, man, I can say a lot about uh, Jason Earls. I've been with him all my life. Dude is, uh, I can say this dude is a major encourager. He's very good at encouraging others and he's just starting to become really good at encouraging himself. Um, mm -hmm. And you can find out why in his newest book that he wrote called Life Cycles. And basically that's just because he has six kids, he's able to understand life, look at life, through the lens of a child. Um, it was one dude that said that, like, you gotta receive the kingdom like a child. So when you look at life through a child, life and faith is like riding a bike in your purpose. And a lot of times there are things that fear, um, that, what, that cause us to be afraid, which wanna, wanna, wanna stop us from riding a bike. And so I just talked about that in, in my newest book. I also have a comedy special coming out called Seven Jokes I Couldn't Tell at Church. Well, I'm talking about all the jokes that I've wanted to talk about for years, but just me being a dude growing up with some church baggage, some call them Pharisees, some call it uptight. I couldn't <laughs> tell these jokes. So uh, I'm telling those. So you can check me out. Uh, it's also on Eventbrite as well. So it's going to be a premiere on June the 12th. Okay. And after that, you'll be able to stream it as well. So okay. that's, and I love my wife. Woo, let me tell y'all, I love my wife. So much so we've made six amazing um, symbols of our love called kids. <laughs> and uh, we have six kids. There are four teenagers or two going into the young adult stuff. They're about to graduate. And um, yeah, I just love people. I love talking, as you can tell. 
I love laughing and I just love loving people. Mm-hmm. I like finding real stuff too. That's why I'm on this podcast, finding something real. Ah, <laughs> oh, Jason. Well, I love chatting with you and I'm excited. You have two kids that are graduating here next month, right? Or- ah! Oh, my <laughs> Jesus. Hold on. Help. It's, 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 it's exciting. You know, you, you raise, we raise our kids. Not everybody do this, but we've always raised our kids to be independent to uh, on, on their own and uh, just be functional adults who love Jesus. And uh, they're walking into that. It's pretty amazing to see. Uh, it's also emotional just because I think it's at some level, we like being parents and we like having a little bit of control uh, and like having the, the kids underneath our safety. And so them getting ready to fly out the nest is exciting, but like, man, this part is over. We've done our jobs now. At least we hope so. Wow. Okay. Well, Jason, um, I did not do a big intro for you this time. And I I know that I could have. No, 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 no. No, No, but here's the thing. This is what I was thinking. It was deliberate because I thought um, instead of listing all the things, um, I would allow you to share a couple things. But um, what I'd really like to hear, you've done a lot um, and I can't even remember all the different things. But what's been your favorite thing so far in your comedy career that you've gotten to do? What's something, or maybe something that just stands out to you as I'm asking you that question? Like in the past or like this currently in the works? You can do both. You can say both. Okay. All right. Uh, I think one was just being able to, one, I did a, I did a very large comedy show that was aired across the country at different churches with focus on the family. It was called the date night challenge. And, you know, from that, a lot of things opened up. Uh, I got my own um, pure flick special, which I've never looked at because they had to edit it so much because it has to be super squeaky clean. Uh, (laughs) So watch it if you want to. (laughs) But I'm telling you, that that opened up an opportunity to be in a movie and sit down with the director and write my part part in. But I got to honestly say, um, and the, the greatest part is really traveling the world and meeting all of my siblings before we get home at daddy's house in heaven, like just to be able to connect with folks. That's great. And then my up and coming comedy special is like nothing I've ever done before. It's taking off all the training wheels, all the safety nets, and I'm leaping back. I'm telling all the jokes that I've been afraid to tell. Not all of them. There's some I left out for a tour. Wow. Well, Becca, I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to Jason's first, um, the first time he came on the podcast and he shared some of his story, but I was hoping, Jason, that you'd be able, especially for those who are listening who haven't heard you share um, how you came to faith. And uh, and then, Becca, I'm going to let you ask whatever questions you want after you know a little bit more about Jason. Becca's putting you on a hot seat. Oh, snap. She seems super intelligent. I'm not ready, Becca. Bring it. You know, um, man, so, so Becca, I was born and raised in a very strong Christian home. And, uh, you know, so at, at an early age, I got, uh, I actually got, I, I decided I was going to follow Jesus after I realized how jacked up I was, you know, it was actually a joke that somebody told at my brother's, at my brother's friend's birthday party. <laughs> They said an inappropriate joke. I laughed at it. My mom caught wind and 
like a few to, few weeks later, and she said, uh, "Man, Jason, what did he say at the party?" And I'm like, "Hey, you know, I told her the joke, and uh, she was like, "You shouldn't laugh at that stuff." And I was like, "Yeah, I know." And uh, I went into my bedroom and just knelt down and said, um, "Lord, I'm a sinner. You know, please forgive me all my, all my sins. I accept Jesus as my Savior." And uh, it was funny. I didn't tell anybody right off until like, a, you know, I don't know how, how long later, but I was like, I was on my way to school. I'm like, I got saved. <laughs> and my friend's like, oh, what? And it was exciting. And I started growing. I started reading my Bible as a little kid and taking little sermon notes at church. And then they got this thing. What do you call that stuff when you turn 12, 13 starts to happen? Puberty. Puberty hit. And I just, I just realized that Man, I wanted to be cool. I had these other desires and nobody in the church was talking about that stuff. And um, it's funny, Becca, the only, <laughs> they were like, in our church, you had three groups. You had the little kids, young kids, the older adult married people. And then you had the small group of dudes who were like in their twenties or maybe thirties who were single. There weren't no single ladies around the church. It's these dudes and they wore tight pants. And talk like praise the Lord all the time. I'm like, man, these the dudes we're supposed to be like. Like, of course, you're not gonna be like the parents, but I see why he's single. Nobody wants to marry these dudes. They were this is before skinny jeans was really in. They just wore tight pants. I'm not gonna say on purpose, but their pants were tight. And I'm like, I don't want to be one of these dudes. And I thought that's what a Christian was like. So I kind of walked away from the faith and um was introduced to this uh this girl named Mary Jane. And uh that's weed and, uh, you know, and, you know, a bunch of other desires, earthly desires that I had. And then one day when I was, I guess around 18, 18, 19, I just realized, man, that I had gone down this road that I never thought I would be and just wasn't, wasn't happy. And I, I realized it was coming from an unfulfilled life uh, that I, I was living this life that God never intended for me to. And, uh, I, I like, all right, I'm done. I'm coming home. I'm coming home. <laughs> and uh, that's my life, Becca. Fun life. Now, the crazy now, life. Now, now I have a golden doodle and a wife and six kids. <laughs> um, what do you think was like the turning point in your life where you're like, you really like, was it a process or was it just like overnight where you like, like, I just don't want to live this way anymore? It, it, I would say it was both. I can narrow it down to, to another joke uh, and which started a process. I was on college campus and this girl came out of the student union building and she said, Jason, where you going? I'm walking on campus like, Jason, where you going? I was like, I'm going to heaven. And Becca, she made this face, this surprise face. She was like, you go to church? I can't tell you what that did to me because she wasn't saying, Jason, you a follower of Jesus. She wasn't saying that. She was like, you go to church. Like people who follow Jesus or who know God, who follow God, they typically go to, go to church. I'm not saying that you a follower of God. I'm not saying you a follower of Jesus. I'm like, shocked that you go to church when she did said that i was like <gasps> she can't even associate me as a like a dude that would go to church 
And that, that made me start asking, like, man, what in the world is going on? What happened? And that's when I started asking myself, like, man, what's going on with me? How did I, how did I get here? From a dude who was born on Mother's Day, and the next Sunday he was in church, and can, when he graduated from high school, could count on one hand how many times he missed church. That, I mean, that's how, many, that's how often we went to church. I was like, how did I get to the place where somebody can't even associate me with church? And that's when I started realizing like, okay, uh, you know, on the weekends, I, I get drunk a lot at college and co on college campus. I smoke a whole lot of weed. Uh, you know, I'm, I look for opportunities to fulfill my sexual desires and I'm not trying to get married. Uh, I, in some classes, I even cheat, you know, and I, I just, man, I just started looking at this list of things that, that I was, and the list didn't represent a person who went to church. <laughs> the list shown up didn't represent a person who followed Jesus. And that, that created this, this internal unrest, uh, somewhat disgust and somewhat uneasy, like, man, I, my life wasn't meant to be lived like this. Uh, an old English word is perversed. Uh, perverted, it does, like perverse means when you're taking something outside of this original design. And so the way that I was living wasn't the way that God designed me to live. And I just, I felt nasty. I felt perverse, perverted. And I knew there was only one way to, uh, I stopped going to parties. I stopped drinking, but I, I still would smoke weed because I thought, you know, it was from the earth and I would actually pray over my weed. And uh, that's a whole nother story <laughs> there. Uh, but yeah, so so that that's what started the journey. Yeah. Um, do you think like all of that like came to be because you didn't have a good example of a Christian and you were just like, these people aren't fun. Like, why would I want to be them? <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is a great question. Oh, that's so good. I think in some ways, it's kind of like, um, how can I describe it? It's like parents. Some There's some great things about parents and there's some things that, you know, parents do that's not so perfect. And that's that's just every life of a follower of Jesus. Like, hey, we're supposed to strive after perfection, but we fall short. The area that people fell short around is some things that people neglected. I felt like it, they lacked authenticity. Like they genuinely loved each other. But from, from a, a teenager, I didn't hear them talking about enough real stuff. So never, nobody ever taught me about sex in church or the people who, who supposedly were followers of God. So I learned about sex from the radio. Uh, you know, there was a group called Bell Biv DeVoe. Uh, they had a song named Poison. That girl is poison. Hey, never trust me, but it's about it. I don't know if you heard it. It's driving me out of my mind. You heard the song? That's why she heard it now. <laughs> for me to find. Like, that's those are the guys that taught me about relationships. Uh, there was a guy named LL Cool. There is a guy named LL Cool J who had a song called I Need Love, and it was just this real soft rap song about this cool dude who desired a relationship. And so those things, like the church weren't, weren't being um, re relatable like that. 
And the thing about most human beings is we want to relate to people, especially the younger you are and the more you're searching for your identity. So I just, I went, I flocked to what I, who I could relate to. And those are the people that I modeled, my, modeled myself after. That's why, that's why I talk real. I can talk uh, a little bit and sound a little bit more educated and more polished, but I just choose, I want that guy like me who was in his young twenties to be able to hear me and relate. And so I like, I, my default dialect, so to speak, is for that 20 uh, person who, who, who's right now with the, the current culture. And I want them to know that there's somebody who they can identify with who actually has some maturity and loves Jesus. Yeah, I guess I just have to prop to like, I'm like thinking of like my friends in my community right now that I have. And I'm just like, I wouldn't like be pursuing Jesus really at all in college if they didn't stand by me and didn't sit with me through crappy stuff and just like were there when I needed them. And so like, do you think like if you had a community in college, like just like friends who were like Christian, would that have like not helped you? That wasn't the right word, but just like really helped you pursue Jesus. Yeah, I, I think we all designed for relationships, uh, you know, and, and this Christian life wasn't meant for us to live alone. But I guess so many people, Becca, don't get that. Uh, and it's, man, like even, even if you don't relate to me on a whole, on a huge level, this thing, the, like the beautiful thing about about the about the Bible, the Bible was written by this great uh, cross pollination of people. It's I don't know if pollination is the right word, but this this cross section of people. That's, there it is. There, I found it. Everybody found it. <laughs> great cross section of people. It's you got from kings all the way down to custodians, so to speak, uh, who who all just, the common denominator was God wanted to use them to say something. So I think I did find those people once I woke up uh, and realized that, like, you know what, that older person who works in the cafeteria or that older person who works in the, in the, uh, in the college mail office, I, I can draw encouragement and life from them. And, uh, you know, and, 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 and I, I think it's, we all have we all hurt on some level it's just tough when people try to act perfect and act like they don't have any hurts they don't have any dirt they don't have any um desires that pull them away from what god wants and uh but even when you look in the bible like these dudes and women like yo they had some stuff about them <laughs> and it wasn't hidden and a lot of times some church people try to hide stuff because they, they don't want to see people to see their imperfection. They think it's going to hurt that person's relationship. But I always say, man, your junk wasn't meant for the trunk. <laughs> it wasn't. It, if, if I tell you that, man, I really struggle sometimes as a grown man with wanting to be accepted by my church group 
And so for years, even now, and struggling the idea of putting out a video where I talk about seven jokes I couldn't tell at church, that idea and it's, it's very uncomfortable for me. Why is it, are the jokes wrong? Out of line? No, they're not. But I just, Becca, I just feel like the 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 tribe that that I do community with or do church life with are going to uh, are going to shun it. And uh, and so ultimately, the fear or the discomfort there is because of a desire to be accepted. So let me let me ask you. So so do you feel do you feel like alone sometimes? Like you, you asked me that question. Do you feel like on your journey there are a bunch of people who actually are legitimately following God? You feel like they um like they're with you, or do you feel alone? Is there, do you have a group of people around you who actually follow Jesus and are real? I think I have a mix. Um, I have friends that are definitely like following Jesus and like they seem to like know it all. I know they don't, but they definitely like are an example of faith to me. But then I also have a lot of friends who just want to go party on the weekends and claim they're Christians like they are Christians but they definitely are like I would rather party and like it's tempting for sure to like definitely like be more friends with them um I appreciate my community a lot I love my community of like hardcore believers but sometimes they're not always that they're not fun (laughs) love you guys (laughs) Right. And, and I, th- <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I, but I, I, th- I think this, like a lot of people say where you should be mature and you don't, you sh- you know, you should learn how to do life without having fun. I, I just, there's this thing called joy. And Jesus said this in John 15, after he talked about, Hey man, I'm, I'm, I'm the vine and uh, like stay abide in me and you're going to produce fruit. After he says all this, all this stuff, He says this, these things I've spoken to you that my joy will be in you and that that your joy will be full. So so the idea there is Jesus wants us to have a joyful life. And a lot of times, notice he didn't say, these things I told you today so you can live a disciplined life. I think ultimately a spiritually disciplined life comes with joy. So a person who lacks joy is actually spiritually undisciplined. A person who can smile and laugh, I would say at the right moments, that's a mature person. Immature is not laughing when you're supposed to laugh and laughing when you're not supposed to. Does that make sense? I think it made sense. sense. (laughs) No, I always tell this, I used to teach middle school and I would tell middle school students this, you can't have fun if you don't bring none. When you're supposed to laugh and we're we're supposed to be laughing, have a good time, laugh and have a good time. When we're not supposed to be laughing and and being serious, be serious, that's maturity. And I think that's it, same thing spiritually. Jesus wants us to have joy. And so he he said a lot of things so that we can have joy. So if a person does not have joy, 
they are immature, as serious as they may be. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, I have a question for you, Jason, because you talked earlier about in college, you know, the parting, the Mary Jane, the womanizing, all that stuff. Like that was, uh, you were having fun. And then you kind of get this conviction of like, oh, maybe this isn't the way that I want to be living. What what made you like stick with something other than what looked like fun? What made you decide, well, actually, I want Jesus? Like, why was that better for you at that, t- that time in your life? That's great. Um, sin has a, has its pleasure for a moment, for a season. Uh, and so there's some sin choices that are indeed fun. I, I, I'll be honest with you when I was partying, drinking, smoking to this day, I look back on those times and say, those were absolutely some fun times. I would be I would be lying if I said those were some miserable times. Probably internally there was a little bit of internal uh, difficulty, but on the outward, like that, it was fun. I was with my friends. We partied a lot. We had a lot of fun. But ultimately, there's there's this idea that man, I'm not pleasing my dad. And I don't know if, I don't know, like there, there are times when I was little, there were times where I was, <laughs> I can tell you one time, we always supposed to get permission to ride our bikes from, you know, around the block. One day we rode to like three miles to a store and I was miserable the whole time. It was fun. I was having fun with my friends, but the internally I was like, man, my mom and dad ain't going to like this. My mom and dad are not going to like this. Man, and sure enough, we got to that store and my parents just so happened to be there. And I was like, ah, this is horrible. You know, we got in big time trouble. So so that's kind of the idea. It's like when I was out there partying, even though it was fun, it was like, man, my daddy don't like this. My daddy don't like this. So ultimately uh, there's this peace and joy that's unspeakable like you can't even explain this joy and this peace that comes with living life the way that God intended for you to live Hmm. and I was and I was also scared (laughs) there was one part of me that was scared like whenever I would hear a certain sound like a train like or you know or a siren just started out of the and I thought that was Jesus coming back now like "Ah!" (laughs) I came back and I was doing my life wasn't begun. <laughs> that, was, that was an unpeaceful time. Oh, I can't tell you. <laughs> did you did you ever go back to it? I know that the weed thing was a little different because there was a way that you could, in your mind, you were justifying, you know, the appreciation right. of it. But did you ever go back to the parting or the other things uh, after you decided, hey, no, I actually want to please my father? I didn't. I didn't, I, you know, but then I also found, I found that there's a Christian version of partying, you know, it's called playing Uno. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just playing. Jason, you're making crazy. Yeah, I was Christians like, you're going to give me partying too. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. 
Let's get together and play some Uno, guys. Uh, <laughs> no, um, but I realized there's this. Uh, I, I'll talk in very um, basic terms. There's this magic that happens when other Christians who are authentic get together. And there's some legitimate fun. Like, it's okay. We can dance. We can party a little bit. You know, we can, hey, I still like my family now. We get in the house, man. We we move the sofa and we turn up. Turn down for what? You know, just we like to dance. I was a drum major at a black college, you know, so I know how to dance <laughs> and want to make sure my kids know how to dance. That's that's fun. So we know how to party. But again, I think it's more about the fellowship, the company. Uh yeah. Well, Jason, what encouragement would you give to somebody who is struggling with that idea of, uh, I want to follow Jesus, but really, I really like this other lifestyle. And it's, it's fun. Because I know um, that's something that Becca and I have talked about uh, throughout her journey on here and something that she shared um, in our very first episode together. She's like, you know what I want? <laughs> I want biblical wisdom, but I don't know that I really want what Jesus has to say on some of these things because I kind of like these things. She was really honest about that. She's been super honest about it throughout this process of talking with other people. And I'm just wondering from your perspective, what would you say? Yeah, I would, before I answer that, I would love to know, and you know me, Janelle, I love being real. Uh, and so it would be it would be cool if I could know like what some of those specific things were to like to help a person because like for some people it's man if I, I I like the way that I spend money and I know Jesus might if I submit my life to him he's gonna make me be a little bit more disciplined and not be so you know spend as much money uh, so so let me answer let me answer you the question uh, the encouragement you know I, I was again it's like riding a bike I would say what are you afraid of what what's uncomfortable for you if if you're wrestling with that decision you clearly know that there's the god of this universe uh and the god of this universe is the all-wise god like he straight up knows what's best so if you're going against the god who invented wisdom, <laughs> like he invented wisdom. He's infinite and understanding. His understanding does not run out. So, so the question becomes, what is it about you and your life that you're gonna reject this God's wisdom about your life? I, I, again, I'm, I'm not hating on you, like I've been there. And the reality is there was some selfish, like I think I know better, I think, I want to get this right now, as opposed to waiting. If I go ahead and have sex right now and fulfill my desires that I long for and get that acceptance from the female, then that's a better choice than waiting until I get married. But I say, man, <laughs> you know, when I decided to do it God's way, like, man, I was so foolish that I was rejecting the God of this universe. Becca was going to share with you, I think. So I think yeah. like the two main things that like really scare me about like giving up like what I want to do is like 
I genuinely just like don't trust God to like satisfy me. Like, I'm, if I'm being completely honest, like I just feel like if I give up these things, I'm going to be lonely. I'm going to be sad. Come on. So if you're being completely honest right now, were you lying to us earlier? I'm just playing. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, I Go just ahead. think I'm going to be lonely and sad and angry. And like in my like back of my mind, I'm like, that's not true. Like I know that like God is everything. And like he, he can satisfy me. I just like, I'm so scared to like let those things go because I feel like, what if you don't? And I don't know. That's just, I think my main fear. Woo. Yeah, I, you know, it's the unknown is, is an area, it's a playground um, that, that Satan either controls or that God controls. Uh, I need to say it a better way. The unknown is either a playground for the enemy, Satan, or a canvas for God. In other words, when we don't know factually about the future, Satan can use it as his playground to cause us to fear and doubt or it's God's canvas that he paints a beautiful picture called faith and where you got to trust him. So what I, what I mean by that, Becca, is I, I, I play sports. I don't know if you're a sports person. Um, it's a yes. Is I that a yes or a no? Person. Okay. Are you the type of sports person, like when you when in the deepest competition, how do you how do you go after your opponent? If you want to annihilate your opponent, um, what do you do? Very like aggressive. So I play soccer. I play indoor soccer. So pushing people over, getting my way. <laughs> Come on, yes. <laughs> Listen. You feel so nice. Yeah, right. This is amazing. That's like, this is great. Listen. And part, part of what I do, Becca, is, is I try to intimidate. I don't know if you do that. Whether it's by making noise, like, ah, you know, just like, I want to get in my opponent's head. And a lot of times, that's, that's really what pushing is about. Pushing is to let a person know, I'm tougher than you. You need to stand down when I show up. Here's what you got to know. Satan knows that he can't beat you. Satan knows that when you when you have Jesus, he is defeated, like he lost. So now what he's got to do, he's got to play in, intimidation tactics to get you to think something is real when it's not. I'm old now and I'm out of shape. I got a, I got a hamstring and a half. And my, my kids are athletes. I can't beat them. <laughs> I can't. But Becca, guess who wins most of the time? I do. 
And when I'm playing them in sports, the way that I beat them is by talking noise to them. And I talk so much noise that I get them to doubt themselves when they're like, oh boy, shoot it. I bet you miss it. I bet you miss it. Shoot it. <laughs> this, this is great parenting, by the way. And <laughs> so my, my point is this. In your journey with God, Satan's going to try to get you to believe something that's not true. God can't fulfill you. There's nothing you get. God, you can't trust God enough to take care of your needs. That, but look, here's what God, what God says is, I, I want to be your shepherd. And when I'm your shepherd, you shall not lack anything. That's one of the verses we learned when I was little. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down on green pastures. Like that. Well, what, what that verse is saying is that God wants to be your all in all. That's what he wants to be. Like, he doesn't want you to worry. There's so many verses that tell you, some say that, that 365 verses that talk about not worrying. But what Satan would do is try to confuse us and to doubt the fact that God can take care of us. Another verse says, I will supply all of your needs according to my riches. So God wants and is the person who can meet our needs. But the trick of the enemy is to get us to doubt that and believe in what's not real. So we stay on this playground, which is actually God's canvas, but it becomes Satan's playground and causes us to doubt a whole lot. That's why one of my favorite um, Bible verses that was that's not in the Bible is uh, it goes like this. I am Sam. Sam, I am. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them on a boat. I do not like them when I float. I do not like green eggs and ham. I do not like them, Sam, I am. And so in this Bible verse, this guy, the story, the guy kept talking. He, Sam, I am kept trying to get this guy to taste these green eggs and ham. And finally, Sam messed with him so much. He said, man, okay, if I try them, will you let me be? I will not like them, Sam, you'll see. And so then he tried these green eggs and ham. He said, say, I do. I do like green eggs and ham. I do like, the, I, I do like them, Sam, I am. I will eat them in a house. I will eat them with a the mouse. I will eat them in a boat. We, I will eat them when I float. I will eat them with a fox. I will eat them in a box. I do like green eggs and ham. I do like them, Sam, I am. I, I call that a Bible verse a lot of times because it, it goes with the Bible verse where it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. And so what, what, what that verse is saying, like, yo, try him. Like, try God with your all and see like, like we got to give God the God of this universe an opportunity to show himself but I think we're so impatient the idea of him letting us down because we've been hurt before um this is about to get too deep I'm sorry uh we just we just don't want to give him a chance and the problem is back what I found is psychologically our brains are computers and we store information. So since we were little, our brain started storing information about authority figures. And if 
a lot of things that we have, we, we've had these bad experiences or even good experiences from our authority figures. Then we began to, our brain looks for information. If we say God is the ultimate authority, our brain starts to think, okay, who are the authority figures? What is our experience with authority figures? And if you can't trust the authority figures in your life, you begin to put that same distrust to God. Uh, you know, and, and so so our view of God becomes tainted because of our own experience, even good experiences. Our we limit God's goodness based off of the good people that we know. And God runs circles around the best people that we know. I think like I can hear that, but like for some reason, I don't know why, but in the back of my mind, it's just like okay, if I give God my all and he fails me, like, I'm never going to trust him again. And so, like, here's the question. What define failure? Define God failing you. I guess just, like, not satisfying me, like, not really showing up. I don't know. But, okay, what does what is, what is God not showing up look like? I think like him not showing up to me would just be like me not even feeling like anywhere close to him and like me just feeling angry at him because he, I don't even know who he is. All right, let, let, let me articulate what I'm hearing because I want to make sure that I'm hearing you. So you feel like God will let you down. God won't show up for you and God not showing up meaning you won't be able to feel him in a way that's disappointing you I, I feel like I'm not give it to me again I think just like him like disappointing me would be just be like me angry in life me sad in life in that way like I just feel nothing like I feel like I'm close to God right now even though I'm like in the deep with sin like I feel like if I give that up and like what if I just like have nothing then if you give up the deep stuff that you may be in and then you will live a life of disappointment and bitterness. That you had to give up something that you liked in exchange for something that feels cold and unrelatable. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah. Sorry, I thought it was confusing. Let me ask you, what, where do you get your idea of, of God from? I don't know, like my idea of God right now is like, just like church God, I feel like, I feel like I have a relationship with God and I'm like learning how to like have like a personal relationship with God outside of like what the church teaches, but like right now in my life, God is the God of like my religion and church. Yeah, okay, so, so the God of your religion that you're learning in church is he a God who wants you to be, is he a God who wants you to be bitter? And like, is bitterness part of him and disappointment part of him? I guess no. Okay. I, I'm trying, I'm like, I'm really trying hard to, which I, 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 I enjoy doing this. I, I, I love trying to understand people and feel their deepest part of what they're communicating. That's why I'm asking these questions. Like, I'm, I wanna know, like, 
I want to be able to say, I want to be able to articulate since we're having a conversation, I can articulate as best as I can in understanding you. It makes sense? Yeah. I'm sorry if this, if I'm like, you know what, this is just, this is just, this is how I, this is how I like walking with people. It's not like I'm not trying to prove anything. I'm just trying to, you know, as we talk, asking these questions. So if, so is, is your idea of God, you being disappointed, where is that coming from? That if, if you, if you give up X, let, let me just, let, let me give uh, let me say, uh, let's just go back to me. Let's say uh, I do, let's just make up something crazy. Meth. If I give up crystal meth, that's kind of bad because that kind of, you can't, you won't even be the same after you. All right. <laughs> All right. Let, let's, let's just say, let's, let's just say meth because it's ridiculous. All right. If I give up meth and meth makes me feel really good and I get, I get rid of that to submit to God, living a life without meth, I'm going to be bitter, unhappy, and disappointed. Is that, is that what Becca's saying? Not meth. I mean, I guess. Um... No, ma'am. Yeah. But I think in like, I guess, if you want to put it that way. Can, can, can we just talk about what this is really? Because if. Yeah. Yeah. It's sex, right? It's like the, the closeness and feeling validated by somebody. Right. Am I right? There's like some validation that comes in intimacy that maybe you feel like you're not going to get from God. You grew up Catholic. Um, and that's that might have something to do with this view of God. I don't know that maybe he's far removed. I know that you've, um, you've been on this journey of discovering your faith for yourself and finding intimacy with Christ. But are you afraid? This is just a question for you, Becca. Mm -hmm. Are you afraid that the intimacy that you can find in hooking up with somebody, it's not going to be met by the God that you feel like you're still kind of discovering? I think yes, in some way. I think like if I just completely stop, it's like, you're not going to like, I feel like this is like kind of hard to say about God, but like, I just, for some reason, like, I just don't feel like God like has that level of intimacy right now in my life. And so like, that's really hard. Come on with the realness. Let me let, so let me, let me go a little bit deeper into my story. Um, uh, so I lost my virginity when I was going into the ninth grade. I was a young dude. Uh, and the first person I told was my best friend at my church. Uh, and then on went this pursuit of living a, a sexually fulfilling life. And so one thing I, I you know, I told the Lord when, when I felt God really drawing me i felt like there were there was two things that i couldn't give i could stop drinking but I, I i didn't want to give up weed and i didn't want to give up sex and i i remember telling god like god i want to keep doing this stuff and uh i know i i do it and i ask you to forgive me knowing i'm gonna go back and do it again uh and then i was like god please teach me teach me why not to do it uh 
teach me like about it because I really didn't know that the intricate details about about sex. It's just like it's good. That's all I know. Like, and it's really good. <laughs> and anybody say who otherwise are lying. <laughs> so so yeah so. So I was at that place, but mine was too. It was, it was, it was sex and weed. But then I started realizing, like, I, I realized I had brought into a lie. And one, here's what the truth is: God made it. And if you, if anybody read the Bible, there's one thing that God said about everything that he made. You know what that is? It's good. <laughs> so, so one, it's, it's supposed to be good. It's, a, it's because of that, that some people, some kings rage war on another country. That's how, that's how good it is. It's like dudes give up careers and move because of this stuff. This is some powerful stuff. So if it's that powerful, like let's pay attention to it. But there's one verse and I, I just decided that either I'm going to, we got to decide if we're going to believe what we think about sex or if God and him being all known and all wise, what he says about it. And so I just started, and listen, I, I was bad. Again, going to, my summer going into ninth grade. That show you where I was. And so in order for me to stop, I like, Lord, you gotta, you gotta teach me something new. Like, and uh, there's this one passage, one of the first passages said that, uh, it says, run away from sex outside of marriage. For every sin that a man commits is without his body. But he who commits sexual immorality or fornication, that's sex outside of marriage, sins against his own body. And I was like, wait a minute. Wait. God upholds this thing so sacred that this is the only thing that I do to sin against my own body? Like, whoa, what in the world does that mean? And Becca, I like, so again, I love my wife. We got six kids. I always wanted to have a family. And I was like, man, the one thing that God gave me that's so dear that he it's only supposed to be for one person and one person only, I freely gave it away. I was like, Oh snap. Like this stuff is so good that men go to war over it, kill other men for it, spend all kinds of money for it, give up the lifestyle for it. It's so good. God's like, I only wanted you to give it to one person. I'm like, well, I already messed up. <laughs> I was like, man. And then he says this. Meat is for your belly, your stomach, and your stomach is for meat. 
God's going to destroy both of them. But your body wasn't made for sex outside of marriage. It's like, wait. I experienced it, so I'm not. It's good. Like that's not what it's for. It's 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 for it's specifically for this. And this one really messed me up, Becca. This one, this one messed me up. You know, do you know where rubber comes from? No. Do you know Janelle? No. Rubber comes from a tree. I learned is like so. There's you know it comes from trees, especially down in the Amazon. It's like this, it's this small ingredient that small thing that they take extract from trees. That's where we get rubber from. Okay. What I, and then people take the tree and get that stuff and they're done with the tree. Or uh, so that's what sex is. It's this it's this small ingredient that God puts in a relationship to make it stick a little bit, to make them draw to each other. And, uh, but it's only meant for, for one relationship. So the best way I can talk about sex is like, it's, it's when two souls talk. I call it soul talking. And your soul was only meant to talk to one person. But my soul was so fractured that it talked to a lot of people. Yeah, so when I started looking at it like that, it's so sacred that, and so I had to do a lot of repairing and allowing God to repair me. And so when I when I committed to God, I said, God, I'm going to do it your way. I'm going to tell you, man, I found so much freedom and peace and joy, and God restored some stuff with the woman that I had. So, 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 so if that's it, I know a lot of people, I'm one of the main ones who struggle with that. Like, yo, I, I ain't submit. This brings me more fulfillment than God. So then the reality is if something controls us, that's a God. And so I had two, I had three gods, sex, weed, and coolness. Those are my three gods. And I love them more than I love Jehovah. Do you think you'd still follow God, Jason, or you would have still followed God and given that up if... 10 years later, you were still single and God was still like, ain't nobody for you, Jason, except for me. So it was four years until I got married. Uh, so, so what's six more? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we were going to get married in the summer. I mean, in the summertime, but we were like, I can't wait the next summer. Let's do get married in the winter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that's just real. But I, 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 there was a point where I committed, like I thought that maybe God wanted me single for the rest of my life. And I was like, man, I don't want that. But if that's what you have for me, that's what I'll do. Because mm -hmm. ultimately, again, it was, I recognized that, that that couldn't be my God. I had to make the Lord my God. So when you gave up those things that were important to you, what did you find in giving them? Did you find that God was cold and not, you know, what did you find on the other side of that, because he offers something better, I, right? But what is it that's yeah, better? What, what's I, better about I it? I thought that Satan was a liar, man. <laughs> For real. I was like, first of all, I was like, yo, if God made this wrong, 
or, and God made this right, God wants to help me. I just got to let him help me. Like if God made having sex outside of marriage wrong and I'm not married, he'll help me if I let him. So that I found power. I found control. I was like, I started recognizing when girls were trying to flirt with me. I'm like, girl, please. I ain't that weak. Yeah, like, for real. I was like, you, my wife would tell you, I wouldn't even let her call me baby. I, I like, we were friends. I'm like, don't call me baby or darling. I'm bigger than that. Now, I'm not, I'm not your baby. I'm not your darling. I just, yeah. So I found, I found strength that I didn't know I had. I found this power to say no to my own sexual desires and um, we desires. I found that I was deceived and tricked and believing some lies about myself that I, I didn't know that I had. It's like I, I gave into Satan's game for my life. Did you ever feel condemned by the church or um, like you were damaged goods because of your lifestyle before? They, no, they didn't know. <laughs> I kept it a secret. I ain't tell them all the church folks my business. Well, you told them, you told them now. <laughs> yeah, I wound up telling my friends, I'm like, listen, I'm going to speak because I determined. I felt like I had been so deceived and brought into a lie so much that I wanted to travel the world and expose Satan's lies. Because mm -hmm. I, I just believed that one, this was good, and that it was, yo, I can't stop. Like I can do everything. I can, I can start reading my Bible. I can, you know, I can, I can stop drinking, but I can't stop having sex and smoking weed. And I, so that caused me not even to approach God, like even try to make an effort to have a relationship with Him. And I realized once I started, like, yo, this is. This is so easy. That's what I wound up saying. It's easy because it was more up here than, than a physical body thing. I just understood who I am and what God wanted. I'm like, please, I just, and not to put myself in that position, you know, because, uh, <laughs> hey, I knew if I'm in a, if I'm in a room by myself, well, not by myself, with a female, and we just by ourselves hanging out, some people saying the lights out. The lights ain't have to be out. It was gonna go somewhere. So I knew I need to stay out of this situation because I like I, I know my weak parts spots. Did you ever struggle with shame versus conviction on that though? Because I know a lot of Christians do. They they're like ah, I don't want to talk about this. I want like what you were saying. I want to hide it. I don't want to tell anybody. The greatest um, shame came when I got married. Like this is real. This we talking real talk, right? That the, the greatest shame came when, once I got married, and and I like there was a way I wanted to perform, and I couldn't perform right at first, and I wept, mm -hmm. and I realized part of it was because there's a proverb that says, uh, "Should your strength be gone to to the foreign woman?" Uh, you know, we read Proverbs five, Proverbs seven. Uh, and six, and just talking about all of the the dangers of of sex. 
I just felt like, man, as much as I tried in that four years, tried to, to uh, piece my heart back together. And when we got married, I was just like, man, I just, I mean, we enjoyed ourselves, but it's just like, yo, it's, I just, I defile us. And I just, yeah, I, that, that broke my heart. That was more condemning. Uh, and thank God I have a godly, you know, wife who's, who's understanding, but that's where I was. That's just my, my heart with, now with the weed, I was, I felt condemned about weed, but with, with, with the sex piece, I, I realized I had brought into a lot so much that I, I ran the other way with great strength mm -hmm. until I felt like, you know, until I was, until I got married and I was just like, I'm sorry, baby. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's as real as it gets right there. I was going to say. Told you I was real, brother. I hope Terry <laughs> listens to this. Your wife's name oh, yeah. is Terry, right? Yeah, we have, she's in, she just came home. Yeah. yeah. We talk stuff all the time. Yeah. We, uh, we're very public with our stuff. Yeah. Are you guys still, yeah. you're writing something together, aren't you? This is it. Marriage DNA. This Let's is our marriage see. curriculum. And we got some other stuff that we're doing. Again, our life is an open book. It's. Yeah. We talk about, we, we get real. We talk about our real arguments, the stuff that frustrates us in real time. <laughs> I love it. As we are. All right, Becca, do you have any final thoughts before we ask the final question? Uh, just thanks for like sharing your life with us. I think I'm like still in that in between, like I want to trust God, but I don't, if I'm being honest. And so thanks for just sharing your perspective and just being open well, with me. Absolutely, man. Thanks for the opportunity to share it. And uh, I get to, just just know somebody gets you. Somebody understands where you are. <laughs> and if somebody try to like, just know, hey, hit me up on Instagram. I can I can tell you. Yeah. Um, I want to meet your wife, Jason. Terry. Uh, <laughs> Can you can you come in or, or no? You're busy. Uh, Janelle wants to meet you. You want to ask her a question? We're here with Jason Earls and his wife Terry. Am I right, Terry? Yeah. yeah. We Terry, we just heard um, quite a bit about your guys' story, which is awesome. What made you fall in love with Jason? Oh, wow! I don't think I've ever been asked that. Um, <laughs> I think that. He's just who he is. He's real. He's fun. Um, I guess you, you told him that we were friends uh, for th about three years. So uh, I guess it was just like I knew him. We knew each other as friends. Not and like so, King James, no. Like, no, no. We, just, didn't, we didn't know. You know, King James, when they say they know each other, they was, he, they was no, doing that. He did not go into there. my tent. <laughs> 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 we were we were friends and um i think we just kind of got to a point where we kind of knew like yeah we're supposed to be together together mm -hmm. like more than friends together you know yeah that's awesome i do have a question how do you manage six kids like did you just one day be like i think i want to have six kids like that's a I, I don't know that I do, actually. Uh, 
I was just in the kitchen talking to our now 14 year old. He turned 14 on Monday. And um, told you how real we are, like real time. He he walked in the door and first of all, he had Chick-fil-A. I'm like, why do you have Chick-fil-A when I'm going to be cooking dinner? But it's your money, whatever. That's fellas, if you're listening, don't ever eat something else when your wife cooks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just came in from, from Fort Worth and Jason was in here. That's an hour away. I was like, shh, be quiet, everybody. And so I was trying to, trying to quietly fold clothes when he came in from school. But anyway, that's besides the point. Um, he has practice at 7. No, he has practice at 5.30. And... I have a rehearsal at seven. We have a baseball game at seven. So it's like, and then we have two people that drive here besides us, two kids that have to go to work and three vehicles. So uh, you do the math on that. Oh my <laughs> so I don't know, managing, I'm, I, we're juggling. Yeah, so it's, it's quite busy, but trying to be um, as organized as possible helps. So I have a schedule that we keep on the countertop so we can know what times everyone has to be places and work it out. Mm. <laughs> yep. Well, how about Becca, why don't we ask both Terry and Jason the final question? Because I'd love to, for them both to answer okay. it. If, Terry, if you have a couple minutes. Oh, yes. So the Finding Something Real podcast is about a journey towards restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love. Of those four gifts that we can find in relationship with Jesus Christ, which stands out to you the most right now in your life and why? You want to go first or you want me to go? Oh, I was still processing the question, so you go ahead. <laughs> Man, I, I would say the biggest right now is authenticity for me. Uh... And that's just, uh, I, you know, you. I look at what we've made Christianity and following Jesus. Oftentimes it's more of a, this, these things that we should do, but like a bunch of traditions, it, you know, and make it look a certain way, as opposed to just being authentically true to what the process that God has us on in the journey. So not necessarily like, in, you know, in my tradition of going to church, wearing suits, standing up when you sing him and then sitting down and then praying and making sure you say, you know, have the right cadence when you talk and the right response. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, but just being real, like the conversation that we just had, just none of us are perfect. All of us are at a different place in our journey. And we can talk about that as we pursue this amazing God who made us. So for me, I uh, would say love. I would say authenticity too, but I think overall I've been thinking and processing a lot just with things that are going on in the world and just how do I love, um, truly love my neighbor? And what does that mean to someone else? And so um, that's just been, my thought process over the last year or two, I guess, probably more like two years. <laughs> um, but just loving unconditionally and, and 
not perceiving things, you know, from my vantage point necessarily, but to really hear other people listen to them, listen to their life story, listen to their experiences and, um, and love them from that place, from a place of godliness and really like what, striving to do that more and more with people who aren't the same as me. Mm. Yeah, so good. Yeah. Well, Jason and Terry Earls uh, and Becca Schultz, thank you so much for sharing. And Terry, thank you for just jumping in here. And <laughs> Jason was sharing his, his story and it was so great. It's like, it doesn't get more real than that. So I'm really glad he got to bring you in. And real call, Jason. <laughs> I, love, I love it. I love that about, I love that about him. And I love that he's always talking about how much he loves you. It's just really beautiful to behold. So. Anyway, until next time. Thank you for listening to the Finding Something Real podcast, friend. This season, we are inviting co-hosts to join me to share their personal stories and to ask their honest questions about the Christian faith. Each month, we hope to feature a different co-host and together invite guests on to share from their own faith journeys and experiences. Friend, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus Christ is still in the restoration, eternity, authenticity, and love business. I know not everyone has experienced that, but if you're curious at all about what's so great about Jesus, I hope you come back next week as we continue on a journey towards finding something real in relationship with Him. Until next time.